Hey there, my name is Marcus Kane. Welcome to the M. Kane Coaching Podcast. Today, I'm going to share with you a little bit more about how I went from experiencing multiple binges a week to being completely binge free. Now, if you're familiar with any of my previous episodes, you'll know that I didn't just struggle with binge eating. I did struggle with bulimia for many years, though what I'm talking about right now I'm going to talk about binging a little bit more, but know that a lot of the things that I experienced in terms of bulimia and binge eating had a lot of crossover. And I wanted to give you an episode on this and chat about it quickly because in this space, there is a lot of nuance that kind of needs to be covered and needs to be talked about. And people love to take a message, whether it be about food freedom or intuitive eating or whatever it might be, people love to take a message and just run with it and take it to a complete extreme to the point where it's like no longer constructive. People make broad sweeping generalizations all the time about things that would otherwise be really, really valuable. So this is why I'm going to share these things with you today. And one thing in particular that I'm going to be chatting about towards the end of this episode is the concept of self-love and how that actually played a part in my own journey. Now, I want to mention it particularly because it took me so, so long, such a long time to really grasp the concept of self-love. And it's something that I've been chipping away at until very, very recently. And no doubt it'll be something that's like an ongoing project for me. But I know that when I started my journey in my career, um, both music industry and health and wellness industry, across both of those spaces, I was measuring my worth with things like achievement and how fast I was able to progress and what I was able to accomplish when I didn't really understand what what self-love meant from the perspective of, you know, just giving yourself a certain amount of love and respect on a daily basis in a way that influences your decisions. So that's something really important that we're going to chat about towards the end. But right now, I've actually got 11 points, like these 11 things that are just at the core of how I went from experiencing multiple binges a week to being completely binge free. And they're in no particular order either. Number one isn't more or less important than number 11. So let's just get into them. So number one, Removing the ceremony and moral value from foods. We really want to remove the ceremony around certain foods. Like, have you ever had a particular food that you treat with such reverence? Like there's a particular time at the week that you're allowed to eat it or you're only allowed to eat it under specific circumstances. And when that piece of food comes out, you just want like time to yourself and you want to be completely alone just to enjoy it. Or the circumstances have to be just right. Like you need to be watching a particular movie or particular series. And you create this ceremony around different foods because deep down, like in the back of your mind, you're like, right, this is my one chance a week or one chance a month or whatever to eat this food. So I need this experience to be absolutely perfect. And it puts a lot of pressure on that food. It creates a really destructive cycle around it. So one of the most important things that we need to do is just bring a bit more normality to it. You know, like it's okay to have any particular food on any particular day. So we want to intentionally remove the ceremony from different foods. That's going to work to take some of the power that that food has away 
from you know how it makes us feel and how it influences our habits on a daily basis. Number two, I noticed that dieting constantly was making me a less interesting person. And it's about this time I'm going to mention that I'm not pulling any punches on these particular points. Like some of them are pretty blunt. And for me, definitely, I noticed that being so focused on my fucking diet all the time was actually making me a fucking boring person to be around. Like, I'm not saying that if you're dieting, you're boring, you might be able to diet and be a more interesting person than me. But I just noticed that for myself, so much of my mental energy was absorbed in thinking about food and planning my diet and all that kind of stuff that whenever it came time to socialize or go to work or anything, I just had nothing to contribute apart from information about macros or calories or which foods I believed were toxic at a particular point in time. So removing dieting from my life has opened space for a lot more stuff and I'm just a more interesting person now. Number three was noticing that whenever I jumped on a new diet, I always ended up worse off, whether it be three months down the line, six months down the line, or even the ones that lasted a couple of years. Within a certain period of time, I always ended up not only back where I started, but back where I started with a few more hangups and eccentricities regarding my relationship with food. Like there was more anxiety. I had a few more things I was concerned about. And as well, I was down on myself for what I thought was failing at yet another diet. So that was a big part of stopping the process of dieting for me, just realizing that no fucking diet I did ever actually brought me to a place where I was better off and things stayed better. It, it may have, there may have been a honeymoon period where I was better off for a while or I felt like I was, but then eventually that particular style of eating or whatever diet it was would drop me on my ass. I'd fall off the wagon and I'd be binge eating with an extra layer of guilt. So noticing that it just wasn't working was really important. Number four, accepting that I'd been sold a lie about what looking great would bring to my life. Now, I spent so many years in a very, very athletic body that, you know, a very small number of people, mainly other gym people, would comment on just being absolutely miserable that I realized that, you know what? I was sold this idea of like, you know, I'm going to be really happy. I'm going to absolutely boss life. Everything is going to be amazing. Everyone's going to think I'm so fucking attractive, whatever, when I looked a certain way. But at the end of the day, very few people actually gave a shit. And something that I remember very distinctly from that time of my life where I was kind of super, super lean and trying to look like Brad Pitt in Fight Club, like... I didn't get a lot of second dates, right? I managed to get a few first dates, but after spending a very small period of time with me, most people who went on a date with me were just like, you know what? You are just like, like stressing about food at the restaurant or distracted or just boring or just have nothing to say or really uptight. Like people around me could tell that I wasn't happy. And that affected the degree of satisfaction that I actually got out of being in what we could call good shape. So I realized that I've just been sold a lie about what looking like that 
was going to bring me, like certainly never got me a promotion or anything like that. It, it never got me an increase in my income. The people who were coming to me for coaching cared more about whether or not my attention was on them and whether or not I was actually a good coach rather than what my exact body fat percentage was, right? So this was a big one for me. I had overestimated or had been sold a lie about what being in great shape would actually bring. Number five, this is very similar to the last one, but it's more of a personal thing, right? So I noticed that being in a leaner body wasn't making me happier. So there's the external stuff, like being in a really athletic body didn't really do much for me in terms of career or relationships or anything like that. But within myself, I wasn't happier. I was not happier person in that body. I spent a lot of time very, very lean, very, very alone, very kind of depressed, sitting in my apartment, not wanting to go out and, you know, risk spoiling my diet or risk missing some sleep and not getting to the gym in the morning. So that was a big one, realizing that I actually wasn't happier. And number six is one of the most proactive steps that I took after acknowledging some of these things. It's I started to eat my favorite foods every day and really bring a sense of abundance to these foods. Now, this helped no end in terms of becoming binge free because something I've mentioned before is a kind of a mantra that became very, very powerful for me in my own journey was you can always have more tomorrow. I knew that allowing myself to eat kind of whatever foods I wanted, if I felt myself build towards a binge when I'd eaten a chocolate bar or gotten a side of chips or something like that with lunch, if I was able to honestly say to myself, like, look, it's okay. If you want more, that's fine. Just like give it, give it half an hour, give it a break for a moment. Just know that if you stop eating now, you can have more tomorrow if you want more tomorrow and it's okay. So actually creating that sense of abundance and adding my favorite foods into my daily diet was a huge step. Number seven, I noticed that my celebrity crush wasn't dating a gym junkie. So I realized that being absolutely shredded was not a prerequisite to date someone who I was attracted to. And let's just leave it at that. Number eight, I stopped trying to burn off calories with exercise. That was huge. Like that cycle of overtraining, which leads to being overtired. And then that then influencing our sleep and hunger cues and food choices. Breaking that cycle was massive. So training to be stronger, training to feel good rather than as some kind of punishment for food or to burn off food. That was huge and absolutely necessary. Number nine, I noticed that being less distracted by food increased my productivity and in turn my income. No shit, getting rid of my eating disorder actually had a direct impact on my income. It, it's clear as day. You could almost track my progress in what we call recovery or liberation from disordered eating, however we want to say it, by looking at my bank account over the last five to seven years. I have literally progressively made progress in my productivity and my career and my income as my relationship with food has become more relaxed and more low maintenance. Number 10, 
realizing that food is neither poison or medicine. Now, this one is so important because there is so much bullshit and misinformation out there surrounding diet and nutrition. It's like the weight loss industry has taken a hit in terms of awareness and attention with disordered eating and body shaming and all this kind of stuff. So it's almost like a really large group of people have gone, oh, right, we can't make people feel quite as insecure about their weight now. What other angle can we take? So they've taken the health road, using a lot of fear-mongering, a lot of cherry-picked studies and cherry-picked pieces of information from research. This is a topic that I recently did a podcast episode on. I can put a link to that in the episode description. And that particular episode is about how to identify false information and pseudoscience when looking at nutritional information. So something really helpful to remember is that the dose makes the poison, right? The same goes with the food is medicine argument. People would like to have you believe that if you buy their diet, it will cure you of this and cure you of that. But although the right diet and getting you know enough of the right nutrients is very, very good for us, there is a big difference between something being medicine and something just being in line with optimal health. So we don't want to overestimate the value of food in terms of our health, whether it be positively or negatively. Just be aware for people trying to sell diets and and sell kind of nutrition rhetoric based on fear or the promise that some kind of food is going to make you fucking superhuman because they're both different versions of the same lie. And number 11 was about reflection. I looked objectively at how much life I'd already missed in my attempts to change my appearance through diets. How many times I was in the company of people that I loved and wanted to be with, but was so distracted with thoughts about food and dieting and calories and macros that I wasn't even present. How many experiences I had that, you know, again, I wasn't present because I was thinking about food or calories or some bullshit. And just one example of this that I can think of is in my early 20s when I was doing a lot of traveling through Asia for work, we did a few dates in Japan and we spent a few nights in Osaka and it was absolutely amazing. We actually had a couple of guides with us at the time who took us to these amazing restaurants. And I remember being in this incredible Japanese restaurant, like it, it just everything about it was amazing right down to the lighting. You know, it was just one of those incredible experiences. And in hindsight, I remember this place and I think, wow, like that was so cool. But I also remember the feeling of being there and just thinking about trying to stick to my diet the whole time. There were things that I wanted to try that I didn't try. There was, you know, drinks that I wanted to have and didn't have. And, you know, I can guarantee I wouldn't have been engaged in the conversation at the time because I was just distracted thinking about, oh, what can I get at this restaurant in this country that's aligned with my diet? So that can be a really powerful thing, actually reflecting and going, right, how much has this actually fucking cost me at this point? And how much has it actually brought to my life, really? And here's where we get to the point about self-love, because changing any of this stuff often means that we have to feel like we're worth making this change. Got to love yourself enough 
to go, you know what, this isn't making me happy. I need to change something. And when people talked about self-love around me for so many years, I was like, sounds soft. That's not going to help me achieve anything. What does self-love achieve? Which is just so messed up. But a step that helped me get there and really understand this was thinking of self-respect as a stepping stone to self-love because, you know, having self-respect or cultivating self-respect, it's just, you know, getting a foot in the door before we get to that point of self-love. And I find that talking to myself about self-respect, maybe in those moments that I find it difficult to cultivate self-love in, that can be really useful. But then as well, if we look at self-love and think about love in terms of being a verb, like a doing word, I hope I got that right, rather than a feeling, that can be a really constructive thing. Because love is acting a certain way, as well as a feeling. Sometimes, you know, we might not be filled with love, but we can still act in a loving way. Like the actions I take with or towards my body are actions of love. Almost thinking of these things like something that you would or wouldn't do to or with someone else you love, like another person. And this is where we can find a lot of helpful nuance because we can ask ourselves, would I do this to someone I love? Or how would I act if I was dealing with someone I love and taking care of someone I love rather than thinking of myself? So let me run this list by you for a second and tell me, how would you treat someone you love in terms of these actions? Would you make them go hungry? Would you force them to exercise in a way that they hate? Though at the same time, would you encourage them not to do any exercise? Would you feed them a diet that's making them sick? Would you feed them an unnecessarily restrictive diet? Would you pander to their impulsiveness? Would you encourage them to practice healthy skills for processing emotion? Would you encourage them to communicate their needs effectively? Would you encourage them to be selfish? Or would you encourage them to never prioritize themselves? Thinking about these questions can provide some interesting context because a lot of them are based around extremes. Like, you wouldn't encourage someone you love to be selfish, but at the same time, you wouldn't encourage them to never prioritize themselves. You wouldn't feed them a diet that's making them sick. But at the same time, you wouldn't feed them an unnecessarily restrictive diet. You wouldn't chase someone around a football field, making them do press-ups and whipping them. But at the same time, you wouldn't tell them, no, just sit on the couch, you don't need to do shit, you'll be just fine. People love to create content and rhetoric out of extreme messages. But the whole point of self-love is to treat yourself well. And that happens through action. That doesn't necessarily mean always doing what we feel like doing. That means doing for ourselves what we would do for someone that we love. And I can say with 100% conviction that in overcoming binge eating and bulimia myself, there were times when I needed to be very compassionate towards myself. But there were also times when I had to just call myself out on my own bullshit. 
And it's something that I feel is a bit lost in some of the content out there surrounding overcoming binge eating or overcoming disordered eating. There's a lot of messages about self-love and self-compassion, which is really, really important and really relevant. But there are going to be times when doing the kind thing for ourselves involves increasing our self-awareness learning how to navigate some difficult emotion, maybe challenging ourselves on some habitual thought processes that we're taking for granted because they've always been there and we've been this way for so long, but you know, maybe they need an update. So I hope you found this helpful or at the very least, just a little bit thought provoking. If you'd like to catch up with me at all to chat about any of these things, or you have questions about your own journey, I will put a link in the episode description. So thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Marcus Kane, and I'll be back again soon.